episode five, I believe, of Seinfeld's. Um, Jeremy Jack, right? Yes, that is correct. You spell it like Jeremy Jacques. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's purposely spelled how it's not supposed to be spelled. Got it. Um, yeah. Well, like people will see yeah, it. But, like, who's that French guy? like commenting or whatever like people i'm like no that's just this dude yeah this dude named jeremy he's not french at all (laughs) yeah i i technically am part french oh my my heritage but but that has nothing to do with it no it doesn't it's very funny completely uh, unrelated but yeah yeah. funny pronunciation is uh, jeremy jeremy is the what i've the funniest i've heard okay yeah. yeah Because they're actually taking it literally and assuming that's your real name and paying you the respect that you deserve, but haha, it's all a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little unfair. The old switcheroo. But uh, so I met you like years ago. It was before I moved to LA. Yeah. And then you moved to LA too. Yeah, I was in LA for slightly over a year and I got back just this past october okay yeah so i was i didn't even know that you left here and moved to la and came back also i had no idea oh really because that was like right after you and i hung out a bit i came to some of your shows or whatever yeah i just thought you just didn't want to hang out anymore no there was like (laughs) it was fine i'm back um stuff's a lot cheaper here so like that's ultimately why i'm back too is the cost but yeah yeah i felt like i had no real reason to be there um and why why like run myself ragged trying to pay all these bills if like i'm not doing anything important in la (laughs) that's la related i guess yeah that makes sense yeah it's a fun place though i I don't regret my time there oh for sure yeah so glad that i did that for for several years is awesome but um cool uh so yeah episode five of Seinfeld's. we're here with jeremy jack we're gonna talk about the bottle deposit this episode um it it stood out to me just because there's a lot of good ones that i probably everybody likes who likes seinfeld but this one stood out to me just because of the bottle return thing and the michigan deposit law and I like to take advantage of another Michigan law that's different than other states, which is the scanning law. And, um, and it seemed also relevant because one of the whole plot points of them trying to pull off this scheme uh, to return the bottles from New York to Michigan is related to Mother's Day, which just happened. So. Oh, yeah. How perfect. Good timing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, this is great. It's funny. And um, it's funny, too. I'm jumping the gun, but it's funny that Newman has no idea that this program exists anywhere, nor does he know that MI stands for Michigan, even though he's a postman. So Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. That is pretty ridiculous. (laughs) He's like, what's this MI, 10 cents? Kramer has to tell him that's Michigan. Okay. But um, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through it the normal? Should I go through scene by scene? It was just chit chat about 
what comes up? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I listened to the first four episodes uh, so far, and, and that format seemed to work, and I don't okay. have a better idea. Okay. I have, like, some notes that I've taken okay, that cool, kind of cool. probably follow whatever order you go in. So. All right. Yeah. No, so I go scene by scene. I think we got, these are some quick scenes this week. Uh, they're like a 44 scenes. Yeah. It's a 44 minute episode, I believe as well. It's a double episode. Interestingly, I, I don't think- remember when I suggested this one, but yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit ago. Oh, you know what? I should actually mention right at the top here. Um, our beloved Jerry Stiller, Frank Costanza passed away just a couple of days ago. And uh, it's very oh. sad. I think Frank Costanza is probably my number one secondary character on the show after the, the top four. Yeah, he's a good one. He's done a lot of other good stuff, too. And uh, I had no idea that even happened. So, yeah. Oh, well, I'm now I wish he had been in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, he's just so explosive and erratic and his deliveries are so off kilter and memorable he's just such a fantastic Seinfeld character I think and just one of my favorites I think that they nailed it pretty good with all of the the parents or George and Jerry's parents you know any all around but they were all pretty good I agree with that. Yeah, they did a good job casting all the parents and pretty much all of the old people on Seinfeld are, are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so this episode, The Bottle Deposit, it starts off with some stand-up. He's talking about mechanics being obsessed with the cleanliness of the car with the floor mats and the plastic. Meanwhile, the mechanic himself looks like Al Jolson. That's a strange... They reference Al Jolson a couple of times and... Who is Al Jolson? I honestly don't know. And I have that on my list of notes to look up, but I failed to do so. I think, as far as I know, I think he was a, I think he was a white guy that wore blackface, maybe. I could be mistaken. I, I would need to research that too. But I, either way, I think uh, it's kind of a dated reference and the stand-up doesn't really like strike as, as funny anymore, I guess. To me, yeah. I, I, I mean, don't really the, get it. the the paper mat thing still holds true. That it's a, it's it seems almost like a a pointless gesture to put that paper mat in there because something else is always dirtier than when you delivered the car. So for sure, definitely, definitely. All right. After the stand up, they cut to Yankee Stadium. Uh, Mr. Wilhelm is telling George about a project that he needs to work on. Um, while he's telling George about this project, he ducks into the bathroom and George doesn't really know what to do at this point. So he waits outside. Um, he waits a while, enters the bathroom and Wilhelm is still talking, exits the stall, having just flushed and assumes that George heard all of what this project entailed. Has this ever happened to you where right. like someone assumes you know more than you do? I'm sh sure it's happened, but no specific example comes to mind, at least not as noteworthy as like, I missed it because I couldn't decide to follow them in the bathroom or not, so. Yeah, and I think following him into the bathroom would, would have been the weirdest, the weird move. Like, I know dudes like will go into the bathroom and like, 
piss at the urinal together, I guess, still like having a chit chat fun. Like I can't do that. That's not my style, but no. <laughs> talking to your I, boss I while he's taking a dump is a little, is a little odd. Yeah. 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 All of it is. Yeah. Everyone has their own version of proper bathroom etiquette. So yeah. I feel like George did nothing wrong at this point though. Like he, he followed everything properly. I think what he did wrong was actually go back on his initial instinct to not go in because then he put himself in that position of not having heard everything that he had said. Oh, yeah. Because if Wilhelm had come out, he would have have known he was just standing outside and that all of it went on. Right. Yeah, fair. But it wouldn't have have really moved the story along. That's true. (laughs) I guess that's kind of sort of the point of this show is to have a story that moves along. Um, we skip to Peterman's office with Elaine. Um, he's talking about this auction at Sotheby's that he wants um, Elaine to attend for him to bid on these uh, John F. Kennedy golf clubs because uh, JFK meant a lot to Peterman. Uh, the Peace Corps is where Peterman got his start. Uh, he even uh, created a piece of clothing based on it called the Pygmy Pullover. Um, I like keeping track of all of the weird um, products that Peterman sells. I, I, I didn't even uh, pick on that part of it. I think the thing that I thought was the, the funniest of that whole first part with Peterman and Lane is just her, her reaction to the, the golf clubs and how like he, the, that character of Peterman is so into everything he's saying. Like he, clearly loves himself that he he didn't even like pick up on how dismissive Elaine was just to be like whatever (laughs) yeah that's true that's true yeah Peterman is very full of himself um so anyway Peterman says that Elaine can uh bid up to ten thousand dollars on these clubs we cut to back to George's workplace um to the bathroom Wilhelm exits the stall and again is assuming that George has heard everything and says top priority and uh, George repeats, top priority. And so off we go. We cut to Jerry's and George and uh, Jerry are talking about this whole bathroom assignment thing. Uh, Jerry says that he pulled an LBJ and George is like an LBJ and Jerry's like, yeah, he planned the uh, Hanoi bombing after a bad time meal. It was all false, I'm sure. <laughs> you, you don't know that though. We don't know that. Um, so George really needs to figure out what the assignment is. Um, Jerry has a pretty decent uh, idea to ask a follow-up question, which is what I would do. I don't yeah, know. I mean, aside from just saying, like, I just came in the bathroom, like, that's probably his ne- next best. George option. never wants to admit that he wasn't present. Yeah. Things sometimes. Like, he doesn't, like, there's that other situation where the guy was like, you understand everything immediately. And he didn't know if he had the job or not. And like the easy answer would have just been to like call and be like, did you mean to say that I had the job or like, I don't know, you know, I don't get it. Instead, this whole Costanzian <laughs> epic. Begins. Which is really ironic. I, I guess I won't skip too far ahead, but the fact that he never wants to admit that he wasn't present is very ironic to the end of this whole oh, yeah. this plot line because it kind of, involves on him accepting that he was present when he wasn't. Precisely. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. So Newman and Kramer come back from shopping at Price Club um, and they're talking about the recycling scheme. They use Jerry's car because 
Kramer's steering wheel fell off and he doesn't know where it is. <laughs> Kramer's got a nice history of, uh, I think it's in the subway. He's going to pay all of his like tickets and he's like, no doors, no steering wheel, no tires. Like I'm fighting that one or whatever. <laughs> Kramer, uh, Kramer's car issues are, very amusing. Newman wants to try this bottle scheme. He's like, what's MI? Kramer says, Michigan. In Michigan, you get 10 cents. I like this line that Kramer says, you blow your inventory, or wait, you overload your inventory and you blow your margins on gasoline. It's like how he's... Kramer, when Kramer gets into studying something, it's pretty in-depth. Yeah. I, I like just in general that he'd already tried to figure out the bottle return scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he's crunched all the numbers. Okay, Jerry leaves. Now we're cutting to Sotheby's, the auction. And uh, Jerry and Elaine uh, arrive. Jerry's complaining about his car making a noise. Um, and they run into none other than Sue Ellen Mischke, the braless O. Henry candy bar heiress. So I couldn't remember this character very well from whatever encounter they've had with her before. There was an episode where she was wearing a bra that Elaine bought for her as a top instead of just as a bra. And uh, Kramer and Jerry were driving and Kramer was driving the car and crashed. And it was like Jackie Childs got involved. Um, it was like an OJ parody. Yeah. Because at the end, they make her try on the bra and it doesn't fit. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, yeah. That's, I vaguely am remembering. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good episode. It's very silly. So anyway, they're there. Sue Ellen's a bitch. <laughs> like, she's just like, I hope you find something that fits your budget, Elaine. Right. Um, she hates her. They hate each other. Um, then they cut back to Newman. Newman's like way out of his league. He doesn't know how to crunch the numbers well enough to make this work. But he ends up saying like, I want to know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then we're cutting the Sotheby's again. It's the auction again. And um, when, the, when the clubs come up, Elaine stupidly, loudly is like, I think I'll bid on those. Those look good or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Uh, which gets Sue Ellen's attention. And so they go and get into this bidding war. Elaine goes way over. Yeah, over the 10,000 budget. I think she yeah, goes to- <laughs> she goes to 20. Yeah. This, this note that they have here, um, it's kind of funny with like Trump golfing all the time because in this description, they say that the, there's a picture of Kennedy using the clubs on the morning of the Bay of Pigs invasion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just golfing. Yeah, no problem. That's the thing to be doing at that time. Yeah, I mean, get your mind off of stuff, right? (laughs) Right. I mean... Things that your mind should be on as the president, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They are back in Jerry's car with the clubs. Um, She's distraught because she spent so much money. Um, Jerry's distraught because his car is making weird noises again. Um, and then they, Jerry drops Elaine off. For some reason, Elaine decides to leave the clubs in his car. Yeah, I couldn't figure out that, that what, like, what the reason was. But, you know, besides, again, keeping the story moving, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, like, what, what she was, like, yeah, like thinking. It just, to do that. like, it didn't make sense. Yeah, it just makes her seem really lazy. 
Yeah. And like she should maybe care a little more about the possession of the clubs because she did just pay $20,000 for them. So, but not her own money. So, oh, true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jerry checks under his hood because it was making the car's making noises and it's a bunch of food from Kramer. There's a thing of cheese, uh, crab legs. The AAA guy told him that he almost sucked a muffin down the carburetor. <laughs> So did you, like, what was their reason for putting that food there? I guess it was just so much food. There's nowhere else in the car to store it. I guess. That's all I could guess. It's a dumb place to put it. Especially, like, it looked like it was just, like, open crab legs. Just, like, out on the engine block. (laughs) So I thought maybe at first they were trying to cook it somehow, or I don't know. Oh, huh. Okay, okay. You probably could cook the crab legs that way. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. So um, Jerry's like, okay, I got to take the, the car to the mechanic. Uh, it's Tony. Tony's his mechanic at this point. Tony is very picky about Jerry's care of the car. Yeah. He's, he, he seems like he, he has emotional attachments to the cars he, he works on. Yeah, which is should get would get very exhausting, I think, as a mechanic to to care so much about each car. Yeah, but an unusual um, reason for them to try to charge you for more things, you know, like he he oh that's true because he cares about the car so much. Whereas like it always feels like just for not so like honest reasons that there's always this other thing you have to fix every time you go to the mechanic. And I almost feel like I would go along with it more if it was like, this guy really cares about my car. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe I probably would too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause he's very like, he's like, have you been picking on the shift knob? Have you rotated the tires? Jerry's like, I try. And he's like, you don't try to, you do it. Um, I think that that line comes up in another episode too. Someone else says it. Oh. And I love when that happens, when they can, like, reuse a line somewhere else. Yeah. 51% of turns are right turns. Did you know that? They cut back to Peterman's office at this point, and Elaine is presenting the fact that she spent $20,000 on the clubs to Peterman. Peterman's, like, in shock, and, like, Elaine is trying to explain why she did this, and the, the reason that she... I never caught this before. She says... Some stuck-up candy bar heiress who shamelessly flaunts herself without any regard was like her reason for, and then Peterman cuts in and is like, well, where are they? And so Elaine was just going to like explain it all away because she like hates this stuck-up candy bar heiress as though Peterman was going to like buy that as the reason. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense from Elaine's point of view, so. Yeah. Um, she said, she tells him that they should be there today. Um, we cut back to the Yankees office and, uh, George asks, uh, Wilhelm his follow-up question and jo- uh, Wilhelm's, Wilhelm's a little bit surprised. He's like, you haven't been to payroll yet? Come right. on, George. Decent hint, I guess, <laughs> from Wilhelm. Right. If he knew what the project was, though, that would probably be make have been so obvious. So. Yeah, because he struggles here. He goes to the payroll office. He's like, "Yeah, Wilhelm sent me big payroll project." Uh, the guy at payroll, his name's Lafarge. He doesn't let George in. 
George says, yeah, yeah, why don't you take it up with Wilhelm? Give him a call and he'll tell you what I'm doing here and you can tell me. <laughs> and uh, it all goes, you know, Lafarge George gets, was excited about that because then he's like, oh, I can figure out what I'm doing here. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, it doesn't work, though, because Lafarge just kind of thinks that George is trying to humiliate him. Right. Asking him further questions after Wilhelm had already explained it to him. So no luck there. They move on to Newman. Uh, Newman's apartment. He's got an adding machine. And his physicality while he's using this adding machine struck me as very funny. He's like just flailing around like like with the with the you know that old school he's punching all the numbers and like moving the typewriter handle style thing that I don't know what it does. Yeah, it, um, it moves to the next line, I guess. But he's got this old school adding machine. It's pretty funny. Um, he's just adding it up. He's not understanding why the numbers aren't working out. Um, all of a sudden he sees a picture of his mom and the thought arises in his head. Oh, Mother's Day. He runs over to Kramer's and uh, Kramer is mid-shaving and has shaving cream all over his face, which is interesting, funny detail. Newman kind of caught him in the middle of shaving. Um, I think, doesn't it happen to Kramer a lot though? Like he's in the middle of something whenever people go to his apartment, it feels like. Yeah, he's always he's always doing something like, oh yeah, he's got a robe on, or he he was like, there's a poker party happening, or right, right, yeah, right. yeah. Um, so this time he's mid shave, and he uh, gets explained by Newman that uh, Mother's Day there's an extra truck, there's like some spillover, blah blah blah. I don't really know the whole actual <laughs> like math of it, but basically Newman gets a free truck. Yeah, just because they said that like Mother's Day has this giant increase of mail, so they have to send these extra trucks or they at least plan for these extra trucks and so Newman kind of calculated that one of them would be going practically empty that they could he could take it yeah which I don't get why Newman's allowed to like be on that route like Newman's not a mail truck driver he's a neighborhood yeah. postman that walks around town delivering mail <laughs> like yeah that that was a little bit yeah unclear but yeah <laughs> i just thought of that now too like he's not that kind of post post guy yeah no that's um, true but anyway kramer's in now because his the gna goes down 50 percent. i like these right. terms i don't know what that means either <laughs> so it probably yeah it probably means something in the whole terms of profit and loss that's accurate but like it's probably it could potentially be being used incorrect anyways so. oh yeah yeah we got to get an accountant on this and see if this all adds up so then they cut to this montage of um they're collecting as many bottles and cans around town as they can basically yeah, uh, they're getting them out of dumpsters, off of mailboxes. They trick a homeless guy to take his cans from his cart. Yeah, see this part. This is one of the parts of this episode that that like stuck with me because when when I was younger and like my brother and I used to drive to the Palace of Auburn Hills and we would go there after concerts already started in the summer and you don't have to pay for parking anymore and then everybody has left all their bottles and cans from pre-drinking all over the parking lot and we would spend an hour while the concert was going on and pick all these bottles and cans up and go return them at the mire down the road and make like 75 80 bucks 
in bottle returns and wow. and then yeah never have gone to see the con because we want it we were like we can get extra money so yeah so that 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 part was funny to me how these ways they were trying to get bottles in cans like yeah that's a good idea to have done that yeah yeah it was for some reason really fun to do at the time but i mean probably we didn't have to do complete necessity so <laughs> yeah true but yeah yeah that's that's cool though um all right so then yeah they're getting them from everywhere they pack up the mail truck they slam they slam the back shut they shake hands kramer's got a cigar it's the end of the <laughs> the montage um <laughs> we cut over to the yankees office now wilhelm's talking about going downtown as the next step in this project everything's downtown apparently um just yeah. like just like the song <laughs> And George believes that that was some kind of like clue for figuring out what the project was. Yeah, because Wilhelm's like laying out this puzzle for him or something. Like this is King's Quest, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, because Wilhelm's just like, there's your answer. And so then they cut to monks. So, so you know how this episode is 44 minutes long? Some of right. these scenes... So they had like too much material, too much good material to make it a single length episode, but not enough good material to fully make it a two-parter. So this scene in particular, which in my opinion is fucking classic Seinfeld, this next scene, they added at like the last minute to, to pad out the episode. So it's Jerry and George talking about oh, really? Downtown by Petula Clark. Yeah, the scene you're talking about too, yeah. Yeah, so they're or just they sitting at the table. The song and exactly exactly and it's like the scene kind of wrote itself just because all of jerry's responses are <laughs> lyrics from the song because he all of his lines are downtown downtown uh he suggests uh 7-eleven as a little place that never closes neon lights are pretty broadway no that's midtown and then uh george is just like should i come clean should i tell him and jerry responds with how can you lose which is also a lyric in the song. Yeah. I love it. That ping pong back that and forth. Funny. So good. I had no idea that it wasn't that it was added after. Like, yeah, it just it see it fits so seamlessly in there. So. Yeah, and it, it feels like earlier Seinfeld, like it could have been in a season two or a season three. Yeah. And it, and the the funny thing to me about it too, not knowing that is that that scene feels like one of the main ways that like it kind of connects George to everything else that's going on because like everything else is connected between Newman and Kramer and some of the details we haven't talked about yet with the Jerry's car and the delivering the bottles to Michigan and the golf clubs and Jerry's car. But George's thing is just this separate thing. So yeah, I, I guess those little interactions kind of help, help connect it, I guess. Yeah. And it's always nice when something, when they're all connected in, in at least a little way, it's weird when somebody has a storyline that's completely just off that yeah. doesn't, doesn't then like, bisect with somebody else so yeah, yeah totally I, I'm, I'm with you on that um we cut back to jerry's and uh he's got an answering machine message from tony what is he even saying he's saying like the car is in good shape it's telling him he needs to come down there or something. oh yeah that's where we're at i'm thinking of yeah. him driving down the road because you're talking about the golf clubs but yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry. that's okay yeah, elaine elaine was there and was like 
have you heard anything? And then he was getting a call right then and they both answered the phone at the same time. I, I, or I might be mixing up. No, that. no, you're right. No, you're right. They, it's a pretty good gag too, where they're both like, hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so then uh, Jerry goes down to the shop. He's with Tony. Um, they're talking about the car very seriously, how he's treating the car very badly, abusing it in a sense. He's like, you see this gasket? I have no confidence in this gasket. Yeah. <laughs> and that guy uh, also is it he i i realized after he's the guy he's the brother in the everyone loves raymond show he he certainly is yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't watch that show that much but he's kind of yeah he sort of sounds the same in that show too and yeah. i didn't i didn't watch that show either but that show also has um was jerry stiller on that show too yeah a little yeah, bit. He, he, he played the dad in that. Yeah, show. and also, um, I believe Uncle Leo. Jerry, oh, maybe, yeah. But I Jerry, think also the the actress that played Jerry's mom in Seinfeld is the mom in Everyone Loves Raymond. I could be making that up, but I think that's right. I don't know if that one is right, but okay. we can double check later. Somebody will fact check it. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, it's funny. It's like Seinfeld got him first and then Raymond kind of was just like, oh, you've already cast all these great old people. Let's just take the yeah. same ones. Interesting. Anyway, so they, um, they're together. Oh, I, I do enjoy this line where um, Jerry's like, the washer fluid is fine. The washer fluid is not fine. They're, he's so just, oh, it's intense. It's intense. And uh, Elaine shows up. It's like, where's the car? Uh, Tony's uh, pulling it around, but instead of pulling it around, he pulls it out and speeds off. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this little scene here. Um, they're at a payphone, I guess, and they're calling... A detective the or detectives, the police. Yes, the police, and they're like, oh, yeah, a detective will show up at his house tomorrow. Yep. Um, then they cut to Peterman's office. Um, he's expecting his clubs, and uh, Elaine explains that a psychotic mechanic has absconded with my friend's automobile and peterman is like what does that have to do with the clubs and she's like they were in the car at the time he's he's flummoxed and disappointed yeah okay so then we're it's at funny the how lane keeps the job after things like this though yeah it is <laughs> he she keeps her job although like she'll get fired for dumber things yeah like not liking uh the english patient <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we're cutting back to jerry's uh detective shows up asking yeah. jerry some questions about the car and how he treated the car and what's this mechanic look like mechanic uh, the mechanic's description from Jerry is just like, he was wearing mechanic's pants. He had a shirt that said Tony. <laughs> He's so like un unhelpful. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part about this scene is like, it, it's kind of setting up another scene that's coming related with this detective, but it's like, it's like some kind of crime show now. And and yeah. the way he's asking the questions is indicating that Jerry is a suspect for for not properly taking care of his car. And oh yeah, yeah. Here's the line because Jerry's like, "It's my car. I can do any. I can do whatever I want with it. Not that I would think of doing such things." <laughs> right. 
It's like, oh, I've revealed too much to this detective. I'm in some shit now. (laughs) All right, so then they cut to George's office. Uh, Wilhelm is now congratulating him on how well the project went. Yeah. George has no idea. Um, He's talking to Jerry about it afterwards, and he's just like, Jimmy cracked corn, and I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) It's very classic George. Like, he'll take credit for anything. Oh, yeah that he can for sure yeah if it makes him look good it's it's all it's all fair um all right so then they kind of they cut to wilhelm's house and the whole thing is really explained here because wilhelm uh is talking to his wife about the rose bushes and about how the gardener did a good job and it turns out wilhelm himself planted the rose bushes uh wilhelm does not remember eating dinner so basically he's forgotten to take his medication yeah his wife asks him, has he taken it? Yeah. So, so that right. made me re-watching this too. Like I couldn't remember every detail. So that made me like think, they almost made it like it was, he was going to remember at that moment that George didn't write that or do that project. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would but think that's that. That's what I thought was. Yeah, but they had something better planned, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So let me cut back to Jerry's. He's talking about how the insurance is not going to cover his car because he's the one that handed over the keys. The detective calls and says that they should come down and they better bring their service records. I couldn't figure out. So this is the one in the scene, the scene where like it's like it's all like a crime show thing. Like they're like they're they're setting up like they were coming to look at like like to uh, identify a dead body or something. Yeah. So the crime record part was the thing, like a lot of the things, like when they show up there and he's like, they mentioned like there's, there was quite a bit of grease, like it was like quite a bit of blood. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the, the service records was kind of referencing, if anything. I think it's dental records, right? Isn't that a thing that they can tell who you are based on like your teeth, I guess? Yeah, that is that is a thing. Yeah, so maybe that's what it was, okay. That's what I was thinking, yeah. but yeah. So anyway, it's a weird location too. Like what is that place they're at? Is it, is it a garage? Is it supposed to be like a morgue? It was some kind of warehouse. Yeah, but is it like, is it the crime scene or is it like where they brought the body after? I I think, no, I think it was like they, f- for whatever reason, found this warehouse full of these cars that have been dismantled and, and so they found Jerry's and they're like, okay. well, we need so, to identify. So it's like a serial killer's like stash place where he's keeping kind of maybe (laughs) he's keeping the bodies there and so we are to believe that tony is so psychotic that he has a he has a warehouse that he has to store dismantled cars it's crazy yeah and destroyed jerry's jerry's car yeah yeah. Um, but so anyway, they're there. This joke. Oh, wait, no. Jerry's like, we used to date, but now we're just friends. That with Jerry and Elaine, because whenever sometimes they'll show up at a place and just be like, yeah, we used to date, but now we're just friends. Right. That's neither here nor there. Because, you know, like, I love that that just keeps coming up and it comes up here and it's. Yeah, they feel obligated, I guess, to like always tell everyone that who's probably not even thinking about it or cares. Yeah, they have to explain the situation. This is, you know what? It's kind of like um, me. When I moved to LA for some reason, I kept introducing myself as 
having been divorced because I because <laughs> I had two years prior but who cares like why am I announcing right. I don't know man I probably went through a period where I I did that as well too because I had a few years be- before yours I guess had been divorced and I'm sure like I must have done that yeah it's like for a little bit while, like I stopped thinking like oh I'm a divorced person now I just I'm a person that yeah not married right exactly exactly it takes a little bit to to see yourself that way I guess all right so then they're there apparently it's a very gruesome scene and the uh, rookie cop in the back like leaves to go vomit he's like excuse me (laughs) Um, they're talking about how the turbo was shoved right up the exhaust pipe the 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 mechanic had a good time Um, that was my favorite part because it almost was like saying like somebody and removed and like placed up the ass of the dead person exactly (laughs) yes pretty graphic um but then uh when he says that there was a turbo jerry's car wasn't a turbo he's like it's a turbo lane a turbo so they're all excited that it's not jerry's car but then another woman comes in crying did you say turbo 9000 yeah is it midnight blue <laughs> and uh it is and uh so jerry and elaine have to go back to looking somber <laughs> and uh yeah I like that part too because it it's very like uh of of the all of these like main characters like they like are very lacking of caring or feeling for anything or other people in in some ways where like they were laughing about this car right before she came up and they're not worried that she's upset they're worried that you know like oh well we have to pretend to be upset now because we don't want her to be mad at not that they really care that she's upset and so just like that is like always somewhere in the you know throughout all seinfeld oh it's ever present yeah they're they're assholes but they want they don't they want to be liked though they're assholes but they want to be liked yeah yeah that that sums up what i was trying to say in in a way nice neater package so that's good that's good all right so now we're cutting to the mail truck with kramer and newman they're singing 9,999 bottles and cans in the truck. <laughs> they have some good parts for the, uh, in the 99 bottles of beer on the wall song, there's the take one down, pass it around, 98 bottles of beer, right? So they, for the take one down, pass it around, they've got, we fill up with gas, we count up our cash. We're pulling in $500 a man, which I really like too. Um, they've got some creative, creative lyrics to the, to the song. Yeah, and um, they so lose just, count. <laughs> and then they lose count and there's like ah i wonder if that was on purpose or if that was like a uh a goof <laughs> that they kept i guess it could be either because yeah. it, it needed to stop it did, it did need to stop <laughs> <laughs> true um they could okay, have so then, had more filler though for the episode if they let them count longer so. that's true that's true yeah well then we would have been missing some other good stuff so hey maybe they yeah. did the right thing um, all right, next scene, we are calling, no, Tony's calling Jerry from the car. Yeah, from Jerry's car. From Jerry's car. This is what always, so we'll get to it, I guess, but like Kramer pulls out a cell phone later too. And I'm I'm a little confused as to how popular cell phones are supposed to be at this time. I mean, when do, I, I think that, because this, this episode was in the, 
the later 90s, right? Yeah, it was season seven, so it was like 96, 96. Okay. So, I mean, I think cell phones are more coming, being more prevalent. I think they're still kind of more like, though, at that time anyways. Yeah. I think. So it, it's not so weird that they had a phone, I guess. So he's talking to Jerry on this car phone, cell phone. Um, he's talking about how this engine's running on my sweat and my blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, blood? <laughs> Is he bleeding? Um, <laughs> then they cut to... So there's now it's just... It's the last page of my notes, and it's a lot of quick cuts to to like sum up the episode here. So they're doing well on gas. They spot Jerry's car. Uh, Kramer happens to have a cell phone, pulls out a cell phone. Um, is it weird to you that Jerry doesn't know his license plate number from memory? No, because I don't know mine. Oh, I know mine. So, okay. So, <laughs> so I, don't want, I don't want to be weird for not knowing, so it's not weird. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just I'm weird because I know mine. It's, it's odd. But yeah, he has to look it up. Most people know their license plate number. Yeah. I guess. It's short yeah. enough. I mean, I have like a, a mnemonic device. Um, yeah. It's... <laughs> it's I need the, to do that. It's, yeah. I know this doesn't matter, but it's Depeche fucking mode 9925. So it's DFM 9925. And I feel like Depeche fucking mode would, 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 would uh, charge $99.25 for a ticket. And it just somehow sticks in my head for, it's like, not That's even like, one. it's not even like related to anything in the real world other than Depeche fucking mode, 99.25. And for some reason that sticks in my head. It's not an unrealistic ticket price for concerts. Yeah, you're gonna go see them at the, what, the palace? <laughs> I don't know. Knob or whatever it's called. Yeah, right. The, so you you've played the license plate game thing before where you have to like make up funny acronyms for license plates you see as you're driving. Oh yeah. 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 So so I could easily do that for mine and I could I can start to remember it. I do that all the time though. I have like mnemonic devices for there's this one time. This is the one I always point to. We had to remember the number 3145. It was like the code to a hotel room or something like that. And so I remembered it with like Baskin Robbins and Colt 45 because 31 flavors and <laughs> I'll be able to do that. Like pick out like, oh, this number, like if it's anything that's like a 23, it's Michael Jordan. If it's 33, it's Larry Bird. So only related because you've said Colt 45 and Baskin Robbins, but I don't, I don't know if I'm taking up too much extra time here. But like, no, it's fine. I, ha I have a, a 40 ounce bottle of Colt 45 that I snuck into a comic convention when it still used to be the Novi Expo Center, which it's called something else now, and got Billy D. Williams to sign it. That's amazing. And he wrote it, it works every time, which was the Colt 45 tagline on it. <laughs> and then, yes, it's, it's on my shelf, one of my prized possessions. That's but, hilarious. Uh, that's so funny. Oh, and, and that's so funny that uh, Billy D. Williams was like a good sport about it. Yeah, he had a like, I don't know if as a manager person or something standing behind him, he was not supposed to be signing any Colt 45 merchandise okay. uh, because he at that time was no longer their sponsor person. Uh -huh. Yeah. But 
he, there were three of us and he was charging 25 bucks a person for an autograph. And so he kind of like, I guess was looking at that 75 bucks and he, he ignored the guy standing behind him telling him not to do it and signed them all. For oh us. man. He went against his whole like oh, yeah. NDA or whatever contract. Oh man. He could have gotten yeah, in so but, uh, much trouble. So you better, better thank your, I mean, he eventually became their sponsor person again. So. Oh, he was? I didn't know he came back. Out. Yeah, he did. He came back. Yeah, I don't know, for a short, short time. <laughs> um, I, yeah, but, and then the Baskin-Robbins thing, when back when you used to still be able to do prank phone calls, because mm-hmm. we, you know, even, we didn't even have caller ID at that point, but mm-hmm. if you did the, the star six, nine, whatever work. So I used to call people, and tell them like hey if you can name 31 flavors of ice cream in three minutes and 10 seconds you win thirty one hundred dollars and people would start rattling off all the ice cream flavors they could (laughs) and they're not paying attention to how much time and then i would let them go on for a little bit and then they always lose but (laughs) (laughs) that random thoughts that came to mind when you said you're, I'm you're glad like, I brought it up because those are great. Those are great stories. Awesome. Yeah. So I haven't oh. thought about that in a while. But. That's great. Awesome. It's hilarious. Um, all right. So basically at this point, Jerry uh wants wants Kramer to keep following. Yeah, because he's getting off Tony. the exit. Yeah, yeah. So Tony's Tony's taking an exit um that's out of their way jerry's like follow them follow them elaine is too and and newman's like you're wasting all of our you know our precious precious load here like we we need to be returning these cans and bottles um at the last second kramer veers off to the right and takes the exit Um, yep which reminded me of that meme isn't there a meme where it's like where the car goes to the right and it's always like a bad decision on the right like probably I don't be know. good is the st- normal lane and like the, be a fucking crazy asshole is the uh, the, the yeah. exit or whatever that's fine. that's yeah. not an exact one that's my example but it, it could work it could like, work <laughs> <laughs> then we're cutting to the truck again and they're running really sluggish so uh kramer has newman take the wheel and starts dumping all of the cans and bottles um, as well as some mailbags too, which Newman's going to catch some hell about. He says. <laughs> then they cut to the Yankees' office again. It's Steinbrenner's office. He's like, "George, come in, come in." He's very confused by the report that George uh, handed in. He's like, "You having any trouble at home? You doing some of that crack cocaine? You on the pipe?" <laughs> to which George is like, "No, no, sir, no." Um, but then he eventually gets taken away by two large men named Herb and Dan. They were taken to an institute to get better. Um, they were able to cure one of Steinbrenner's friends, I guess, who had an obsession with lactating women. Yeah, yeah. He still <laughs> eats a lot of cheese or something. <laughs> That's right. He does still eat a lot of cheese. And at the end here, Steinbrenner. So Steinbrenner is Larry David with a slightly different voice. I did not know that. Yeah. He's just... I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't pay good enough attention to like who plays some of the characters, but that explains even more so one of the things I've always liked about the Steinbrenner character that they only ever show him from behind or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and that person is not Larry David. The the physical manifestation of Steinbrenner is like another actor. So at the end there, he's just like, get better, George, get better. Um, yeah. And then they, they cut to back to the truck. Um, Kramer um, kind of wants to get rid of uh, Newman because he's, uh, he's big and heavy. So he's like, uh, there's some homemade pies back there 200 yards back. Uh, all of a sudden, Newman, Newman gets very like cartoony because he's like, pull over, pull over, will you? Like he does this like very like cartoony voice and uh, they stop and uh, Kramer kicks Newman out of the truck. Um, yeah, the only thing I could think of too that like made it be like, why would Newman even fall for something? Because they're in the middle of nowhere. There's really, is there really going to be a pie stand there? But Newman had already been asking for snacks before when when they had talked about how good of gas mileage they were getting and they were saving even more money so yeah. like i guess he just was so hungry that like he would believe there were some pies there yeah i mean i guess his blood sugar was low his mind is a little little loopy but so basically my note here is that newman is cartoony for the rest of the episode after that he is he turns into yeah, a very whole... weird caricature situation that happened with him is kind of cartoony in a way yeah oh yeah 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 totally so newman's just walking around i guess until he finds like civilization he comes upon a farmhouse runs up to it sees a freshly baked pie in the window again very cartoony it's very yogi bear right (laughs) um the dad uh the farmer at the house you know who that is that's Ron Howard's dad. Nope, had no clue. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, Rance Howard. Um, so he's the farmer. He uh, Rance. Yeah, Rance. An interesting name. I love it. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's no Jeremy, but you know it'll. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they take Newman in. Uh, there's only one rule: keep your hands off my daughter. They cut back to Kramer following Tony, and Tony is throwing golf clubs. At first, Kramer thinks he has a gun, but it's golf clubs. Eventually, throwing the whole bag, um, and the truck gets a flat tire, the windshield's busted, so the truck's out of of commission. They cut back to the farmhouse. Newman is very sweaty at this table scene. Yeah, which that that definitely stands out in, like, it... Feel, because he's clearly like has intentions based on the guy saying you know stay away from my daughter and like that probably made it stick in his mind even more yeah and like their little bantering back and forth like was pretty hilarious it's so good yeah because he's like the mutton's out of sight i'd love to get the recipe um and then the daughter's like looking at newman all lustfully and uh, he kind of chokes on the cider, but then he's like, no, I'm a big, strong cider cider guy. Like yeah. look, <laughs> looking at the girl all like, um, and then they're talking about milk and, milk and cows and how you gotta just pull on the teat a little. And he, uh, can, he lifts the, the heavy mail bag. Yeah, and... he lifts those, ma- and he nautiluses. He's like, I nautilus, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was a very like, nobody does that exercise anymore right that's like a 90s exercise i think so yeah yeah but uh, can you picture him doing it actually (laughs) i can't because i can only really picture him sitting at home like with his foot bath in like a robe (laughs) also how do they do that sweatiness is that makeup i don't know i want to look at he always seems sweaty too i wonder but like maybe he just 
sweat or maybe they have a heated lamp kind of pointed at him maybe so that he does sweat more yeah could, there's a lot could of just be a makeup thing where they just get him wet and yeah but yeah there's like several in the whole series of close-ups of newman sweating <laughs> like it's, it happens a lot like um, i i would like it best if it was just a part of his person and he just always did that and then oh, just yeah. wrote it into the show I would like that too. That'd be, yeah, that'd be great. Did he sweat in Jurassic Park like that? I don't think so. Like, I don't no. think so. I don't really think so. Don't think so either. Yeah. Um, anyway, so George is at this institution, some sort of mental, mental clinic. Um, they've taken his belt. Um, he's on the phone with Jerry. And who does he run into? But Dina, I think is her name. Dina Lazari, who's there visiting her dad. This is... It's a callback to, um, do you remember the episode that this is from? Nope, I don't. It's the one where Kramer is trying to get funding for that theater, the Alex Theater. And, and George is dressed up like King Henry with the robe and this woman sees him and thinks he's crazy. It's a whole thing. But anyway, yeah. this dad, she's visiting her dad. So it's kind of like a cool callback for like, the acute observer, which I, I I enjoy that this show will throw in once in a while, where it's like, yeah, okay, for we're sure. we're gonna we're gonna uh we're gonna reward you for paying close attention. Yeah, they do that often. It's it is usually very cool. Yeah. All right, so we're almost done here. Um, Kramer is walking down the street, picking up this golf clubs, and happens upon the same house that Newman uh, went to, starting to approach the house as Newman is running out the door, like pulling up his pants, apparently. A gunshot first. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So the farmer shoots and he runs and uh, apparently he was getting frisky with the, uh, with the daughter, which she's got a very low bar, I guess, because there's no men ever coming through there. Right. <laughs> the, 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 the disheveledness of like Newman and his pants being pulled up and her hair all crazy and yeah. everything was all like really hilarious and added to the kind of cartoony feel of some of it and 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 I love that she gets his name name wrong. Yes. So I was going to point that out. She's like, "Goodbye, Norman." Yeah. And and that while it's hilarious was a mistake. Oh, really? Yeah. She said Norman on accident instead of Newman. And they kept it. Oh, yeah. It's better that way because it just kind so of. Because she also said that she loves him. So it just kind of adds to the whole stupidity. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Apparently, so, I need to do some more uh, research about some of these episodes to learn some of this stuff. It's fun though, but so I'm standing on the shoulders of giants with this podcast because I've listened to Signcast a lot okay. and they cover every single episode, every single character, every scene in depth. So that's kind of why I'm not doing that with this show because who needs that yeah. again? But um, sure. But yeah, I'll, a lot of my facts are coming from another podcast. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's still that's still research. It is still research. Probably it's still good. research. Yeah. All right. So now we're on the 44th and final scene. We're back at Elaine's office. She presents Peterman the clubs. And he assumes that it's because JFK had such a temper. 
Yeah. So again, Elaine gets away with. And if he paid attention to things a little bit more, like even the way she like brought him the club, she looked completely guilty. Yeah. yeah. So he yeah. he makes that assumption, and I don't know if you were already gonna comment on it, but her 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 line after he mentions JFK's temper was was pretty great uh, about his slice. I didn't write it down. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, exactly how she says it, but about yeah. his slice too. Yeah. So. Yeah, the only thing worse was his slice. Right. The only worse yeah. than his temper. Yeah, was thank his slice. you. For and she gets so she gets away with it. And end end episode. That's your episode. Yeah. yeah. But so this was a fun episode. I'm glad you chose this one. Yeah. Um, I I also thought of it too, like this episode, just because like with all of this the stay at home orders and businesses being closed and things being the way they are now, um, like my mail has not been right. And like some weeks I'll get mail three of the six normal delivery days and things that I still am waiting for mail that I know was sent that it's been like four weeks. And, and like, even like in March, my mom sent three pieces of mail from my siblings from, from where my mom lives. I got one right away. I got one, another one a week later. And then the third all mail at the same time came like three weeks after that. So yeah, that so like this the mail like i don't know mm-hmm. i guess these this is what i guess the what's going on in my brain to lead me to this episode yeah so. you had mail in the mind and and when you think mail you think newman so it's a good newman there's episode. a lot of episodes that i love but this is just the one right now that i was like well i really right. i want to watch it again so awesome awesome um well thanks jeremy do you have anything that you might want to plug um yeah the the main things i would say is a uh, rainbow room is a music project that i'm doing right now so you know it all we have nine albums released a tenth in the works and we do a lot of kind of improv type stuff in the creation of the songs without going into too extensive details and so some of the albums we have up to like 60 songs um then the next one will have 50 that's coming out in a month or so and so yeah, Rainbow Room is what it's called. It's on every streaming service. Um, awesome. Yeah, so that's the main thing I've been working on. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, yeah. Rainbow Room, Jeremy Jack, thank you for being with me on this uh, episode. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, this is really fun. fun. If you have uh, if you have some yeah. thoughts on another one you want to do, let me know. Okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to cool. keep listening to to them all yeah the first four were really fun so yeah oh thanks thanks. it's they're fun to do so awesome glad you could be a part of it um i'll talk to you soon all right yep bye